Section 7 of Harper's Young People, Volume 1, Issue 19, March 9, 1880. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Harper's Young People, Volume 1, Issue 19, March 9, 1880. Begun in Number 17 of Harper's Young People, February 24. Biddy O'Dolan by Mrs. Zadel B. Gustafson. Chapter 3. Anyone who had seen Biddy O'Dolan in the old hard days when she was dirty and ragged and wretched and brood, and lived in the street and slept in a cellar, would hardly have known her if he had seen her three weeks after she came to live with the Kennedys. Biddy was not pretty, but she had a clear skin. Now the dirt was washed off, and bright, earnest eyes. Now, too, she wore neat, pretty clothing. Her dark, curly hair was nicely brushed and tied with fresh ribbons. She had a small, pleasant room for all herself and her doll, and Miss Kennedy had taught her how to keep it in order. Biddy had given a great deal of trouble to this gentle lady at first, because Biddy had many unpleasant habits. She used bad words. She did not seem to think it any harm to tell lies. She was not at all neat. She was sometimes willful and disobedient. She was often careless, broke dishes, tore her clothes, and put things out of order. These things were much greater trouble to Miss Kennedy than Biddy knew. Miss Kennedy was so good and kind and true that Biddy's faults grieved her much, and carelessness and disorder were like pain to her. She was herself so neat and pure, like a fine white pearl. But Miss Kennedy never forgot what poor Biddy's life had been, and Biddy was so affectionate and grateful and tried so hard that Miss Kennedy grew to love her dearly. And little by little, Biddy conquered her old bad habits. She did not see much of Mr. Kennedy, who was very busy, and was away a great deal. When she did see him, he had always a kind word and a pleasant smile for her, which made Biddy feel as if he took care of her. Charlie had brought her the doll, as Biddy said he would, but she could not make him come within a block of the house. And when he saw Biddy so fresh and clean in her pretty new garments, he had blushed and run away almost without speaking. She did not see much of him. She met him sometimes when she was out on an errand. The last time she had seen him, he had looked very much pleased, but she had not been able to get him to speak to her. She thought him more bashful than ever. Biddy did not forget Charlie, or cease to wish he might have a nice home in the same house with her, but she was kept so busy with her easy but constant duties in waiting upon Miss Kennedy, who was also teaching her to read, that time flew very fast with Biddy, and it was midsummer when one day she went out on an errand and did not come back. Miss Kennedy waited and wondered, and when it began to grow dark and Biddy had not come back, she grew really alarmed. One of the servants had been sent out twice to look for Biddy, but in vain. At last, just as Miss Kennedy was about to send for him, Mr. Kennedy came in. 
as soon as he learned the cause of his sister's alarm he comforted her in the very best way by starting out to search for biddy himself he had not gone more than twenty steps before a boy who had watched him come out stopped him and to his great surprise gave him a message from biddy mr kennedy ran back and spoke with his sister and then went quickly away with the boy who had brought biddy's message now this is what had happened after biddy had done her errand she thought about charlie and felt a great wish to see him she was prettily dressed and it came into her head that it would be a grand thing if she could walk by mrs brown's stand and see if the old woman would know her for a long time after she ran away from mrs brown biddy had been afraid to go near her old home for fear mrs brown might claim her and perhaps in some way be able to hide her from her new friends but she had lost most of this fear and now thought it would be great fun to step up to the stand and buy something and see what the old woman would say the old days when she and charlie used to be so much together came into biddy's mind as she walked along swinging her parasol she remembered a great many little things about him and his quiet kindnesses to her which she had hardly noticed at the time and she thought with new pleasure of mr kennedy's words to her in the morning he had passed her in the hall as he was going out and had laid his hand on her head and said i think i shall be able to do something for charlie very soon would you like that biddy and biddy as usual when her heart was very full had not said a word i'll tell charlie she thought to herself at last when there was only one more block to walk before reaching mrs brown's stall and biddy was just beginning to think about what she would say to the old woman she noticed an unusual stir down the street people old and young were darting about running around and forward yelling at the tops of their voices and there was another low hoarse sound biddy could not make out nearest were some children running in her direction and screaming biddy stopped near a pile of empty boxes she was full of wonder and fear one of the children was charlie he saw biddy at the same moment she saw him and it seemed as if he flew he came toward her so fast as he came up with her he grasped her arms turned her around and pushed her toward the boxes with one quick movement i'm with you biddy quick oh quick he called to her his white face and his piercing cry made biddy obey him without a thought of asking why she clutched at the boxes and scrambled up and charlie helped her by his hands and shoulders the boxes did not stand even and they tottered as she climbed but charlie leaned his little body against them and stretched out his arms and held them steady biddy was not a moment too quick as she threw herself forward across the topmost box the shuffle and clatter of many feet and the shouting and screaming seemed to be all around them biddy could not look down she was so frightened and it climbed so fast she could hardly breathe but she had heard a snapping and a crunching of jaws and a hoarse rattling breath beneath her she was not able to think she only clung with all her might so dizzy that it seemed as if she and the boxes were swimming several shots were fired and it seemed as if there were more noise and confusion than before then someone said poor children biddy felt herself lifted down 
She was shaking all over, and there were a great many people around her, but they didn't make so much noise now. She heard someone saying, "'It's Griffith's bloodhound. A good dog enough, too. Those idle scamps had let him alone. But it wouldn't stand no nonsense. That sort of dog never does. My heavens, it snapped that great chain like a pipe stem, and was after them like a tiger in no time.' Then another voice said, "'Did you see the little boy? He's almost the tallest little fellow you ever saw.' "'But he was a hero. He saved the little girl's life. He gave up his own for it. "'I saw and heard the whole thing from the window overhead here, "'and I'll never see a braver deed done. I tell you he's a hero. "'His father can be proud of him.' "'His father?' said another and rougher voice. "'That boy ain't got anyone belonging to him. "'Take a look at his clothes, what's left of him from that brute's teeth. "'He's never had too much to eat nor too much to wear.' "'You can just bet your life on that. "'But you're right, mister. "'He was a hero and no mistake. "'He held as still as a mouse and with a grip like death, "'while that darn critter chawed up his legs.' "'Biddy was beginning to understand. "'So were the other children. "'The little boys and girls who had known and laughed at "'and nicknamed Charlie all his silent, bashful life. They stood around, gazing horror-struck at the dead hound that lay just beyond the curbstone, and at Charlie, lying all mangled and perfectly still in the arms of a policeman, a cart with cushions in it backed up to the curb, and just as the policeman was trying to move Charlie so as to lay him on the cushions, he moaned and opened his eyes. He looked at the children. They saw this look, and crowded up to the cart, sobbing. One of them exclaimed, "'Oh, Charlie, we'll never call you Polly no more.' Another boy leaned close over Charlie and said, "'The man says you're a real hero, Charlie. Just ye brace up.' A faint smile passed over Charlie's face. He turned his eyes with the same kind, calm look in them among the people till he saw Biddy. Then the tired eyes flashed with joy. He saw that she was quite safe. He moved his hand a little toward her. Her lips quivered. She reached out her arms, and they placed her in the cart on the cushions by Charlie's side. Just before it started, Biddy asked the little boy who had last spoken to Charlie to go and tell Mr. Kennedy what had happened, and to say that she should stay with Charlie till he got well. When Mr. Kennedy reached the hospital, Biddy was crying as if her heart would break and poor, brave, tender, bashful little Charlie had got quite well and had gone home to be with his father. The shock and the sorrow of little Charlie's death changed Betty very much. It was long before Mr. and Miss Kennedy could persuade her that she was not to blame for it. It seemed to the poor child as if she had been cruel to climb into safety, leaving Charlie to such a fate, but she had really not been at all to blame. She had obeyed Charlie's startling and earnest cry, without thinking, or even having time to think, until it was too late to act in any other way. After a time the sharpness of the sorrow passed away, and the thought of Charlie became full of comfort and help to Biddy. As she grew older, she could understand that if Charlie had lived, he would not have been very happy. He was so feeble and shrank from people so much, and she could feel, if she did not understand, that his death was a noble one, 
an act of love so simple and so whole that it was a gift, the gift of a great example, helping everyone who knew of it to be more brave and true. Biddy lived on with the Kennedys, and she has helped Mr. Kennedy from time to time to find out little children as wretched as she once was. In this way, she has already been the means of getting six poor children into good homes where they have a chance to learn how to live. She remembers so well her sad childhood that she understands, even better than you or I would, how to speak and to help these poor children when they first begin to do better and get so discouraged because their old habits pull them down and make it hard for them to do well. Biddy goes to see them and talks with them so kindly and with so much patience and love that they are comforted and ready to try harder than ever. When she tells them that she was once just as dirty and rough and naughty as they have ever been, and they see how sweet and good she has become, it fills them with courage and hope. You can very well suppose that Betty did not always find it an easy thing to help these children. Perhaps you think that any little girl would jump at the chance of being taken from the street and put in a good and pleasant home. Betty thought so until she tried to help Katie Keegan. She was the second little girl Betty found for Mr. Kennedy. Betty had known Katie Keegan all her life and liked her better than any other little girl when they used to be living on the street. Yet when Biddy became better off and tried to make things just as nice for Katie, that little girl didn't see it as Biddy did at all and gave her more care and worry than all the other five. I'll tell you something about this. To be continued. End of section 7. Recording by Keith Salas.